Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a guest on today with a name that I can definitely pronounce, Mindy Templeton out of Kansas City. Mindy, how's it going today? Hey, I'm great. How about you? I, I definitely can't complain. They start, the weather's starting to get nice in Boston. Um, we've been waiting for a while, so I'm kind of, you know, getting excited for the summertime here. But um, but yeah, so like I mentioned before, we we jumped on, um, you know, we like to kind of go back and tell people's story about like how they got interested in investing, how they got invested, interested in becoming an agent and how you're kind of using the two together. So when did you start in real estate? Did you start as an agent or an investor? How long ago was that, et cetera? Yeah, so I actually spent um, 15 years or so in the insurance industry and climbing the corporate ladder, um, you know, worked myself into a director level position. And uh, when you get to the top, you kind of look around, you're like, well, this isn't everything I was expecting it to be. <laughs> um, so I found myself in that position about three years ago. And um, so I started as an investor. I listened to a podcast, read a few books, and bought my first rental property on my 36th birthday, so exactly three years ago. And nice. um, I quickly became addicted to <laughs> buying houses and uh, bought a couple more within a few months of that. And, um, and then I actually got laid off from my day job um, last year at the beginning of the year. So I've been full-time real estate for a little over a year now. And uh, right before I got laid off, I had actually gotten my license because I was going to be doing my first flip property. Mm -hmm. And so my intent with my license initially was just um, to help myself pull comps and things like that. But long answer to your question, I started as an investor first. And then I'm, now I would call myself a real estate professional because uh, I really do everything. So... <laughs> So when you were, you know, working your way up the corporate ladder, like at what point did you say, I want to invest? And what was, what was the thing that made you think that? Was it a book? Was it a podcast? Was it that you just were unhappy doing what you were doing? What was the spark? Uh, it was actually a life event that I experienced. I had a good friend of mine who was in her young 30s uh, pass away from brain cancer. Wow. And um, just watching someone at the end of life uh, really just helped me to stop and reevaluate my values and what was important to me. And at the time, I was traveling. I was missing first days of school, um, you know, baseball games, things like that. I have two young kids. And uh, so, so, yeah, having that life event happen just really changed my values. And, like, I was just like most people are. I was deep in consumer debt. I ended up selling my cars, um, paid off all my consumer debt, my student loans, and doing those things really helped give me the breathing room to start investing because then I had disposable income. I didn't before. I was living paycheck to paycheck, despite the fact that I was a high wage earner. So, so you had the, the, you know, that, that powerful life event 
that made you say like, I don't want to be in corporate America anymore. Um, which I think a lot of us have, I've got a story myself, but what made you think real estate investing is the solution? Uh, well, I actually read a book called, um, I think it was like smart women finish rich. And it was talking about like putting money back basically until you're in your sixties and like, you know, then you, you'll walk away and you'll have all this money to retire. And I was like, well, what about now? Like, I, I don't want to work till I'm in my sixties. I don't even know if I'll make it to be in my sixties. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I just really started like, uh, you know, rethinking what that might look like. And um, yeah, that, I don't know. <laughs> That's where I'm at now. So that book was about like getting to retirement essentially. Yeah. And I was like, there's gotta be a quicker path. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> of course, you know, if you go out there and you look for the get rich quick schemes, um, there really aren't any, but real estate is in my mind, a shorter path than putting your money in say your 401k with a 3% match until you're 65. So, yeah, I agree. I got, you know, similar kind of thing where started with like the end in mind mm -hmm. and a lot of the the typical, you know, financial information is like built on, hey, cut your expenses, save as much money as you can, put some money in the stock market. And you start, you said you started taking action while you were at your corporate job? Yeah, I owned, um, I think, four rentals before I got laid off from my corporate job. And I was under contract for my first flip when I got laid off also. Now, as you were like, you know, getting into owning some of those rentals, did you have any like fears or hesitations about getting into investing or were you just like gung-ho, like I'm going to do this and just started pulling the trigger? I love this question because um, I used to have a very low risk tolerance. And I think a lot of that was um, I, you know, started my financial journey listening to Dave Ramsey and, um, you know, he tells you to pay everything off, save up, pay your house off, all of those things. Uh, so yeah, I had a very low risk tolerance. And I would say, you know, even today, yes, I still get scared. Yes, I still have fears um, when I go out and buy another property, like everything could go wrong. But to me, I look at risk like, well, this is a risk I'm taking. Staying exactly the same to me is a bigger risk. Um, so so yeah, I think either way you go about it, you're taking a risk. I would rather take the path where my risk possibly could bring me some rewards as well. Well, I think what you're saying, and I think that a lot of people don't think like how you're saying is like a lot of the, the, the financial advice that most of us follow or are taught or learn is a path that we don't like, but yet we're following that path. And we're afraid that if we don't follow that path, something bad is going to happen, even though we don't want the result. So it's like a weird thing. And I think it goes all throughout our lives where it's like, you know, go to school, go to go to You have to go to college. You have to, you know, get a good job. You have to move up in your corporate job. You have to you have to do all these things. And, it, you know, at a lot of points along the way, most of us are unhappy with that. And then, like you said, in the end, you weren't even going to be happy. Like if you succeeded following this guidance, you were not going to be happy with the result. So it's almost like a crazy mindset thing where it's like people, because it's the norm, they follow it. 
you have to like actually think like this doesn't make a lot of sense. And for me, I read a book that I'm sure almost everybody that's listening to this knows rich dad, poor dad. I was um, a pizza delivery boy and I was a, a pre-med student in college. And when I heard that book, I, I, I had, a, it was life-changing for me. Cause I was like, wow, everything I thought about money isn't true. And, um, people, you know, some people love rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Some people don't, but for me, that was like the catalyst to say, oh, there's actually a different path and it might be better. Um, so you shifted your mindset, you were able to do it and you're able to overcome the fear. Um, what type of properties are you buying? Are you buying single families, duplexes? What are you buying? And you're buying it all in Kansas city, right? Yeah. All of my properties. Um, and specifically I'm in Eastern Jackson County, um, which is Raytown, Independence, Lee Summit, Blue Springs area. So it's the bur suburbs of Kansas City. Uh, I do have one in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, but to date, I am utilizing the Burr strategy. So I buy fixer-up properties, um, mainly single family. All of my properties are single family, except um, I'm under contract on my first duplex right now, too. And um, so I buy them, fix them up, rent them out, pull all my money out, and then repeat the process. And so that's helped me to scale my portfolio pretty quickly. That's awesome. And it's interesting because like, depending on where you live, like that can be very possible or very not possible. And for people that are in different parts of the country, like in the, in the Boston market right now, it's really tough to do what you're saying because a lot of this stuff doesn't cash flow out of the gate. So just one thing to think about, and I know the financials in your market, that's why I'm saying this is like, if you're not in a market where you can do something like this, you might want to think about going to a market because just because you can't do this stuff in New York City, Boston, LA, it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just sometimes doesn't work where we live. Um, yes. And I will say um, from an agent standpoint, that honestly is a lot of what I'm helping my clients do. Most of them are out of state investors that are in a high cost of living area. And they reach out to me because they know the numbers are going to make more sense here in Kansas City. Um, I will say even in today's market, doing a perfect burr where you pull all of your money out is starting to become even more difficult, um, even for experienced investors. So I always tell people like, even if you can get into a deal and leave a little bit of your money in at the end of the day, that if you're putting less than 20% down to me, that's still a good burr project. So yeah, I'm helping a lot of investors as clients do that now as well. So give me kind of just like the basic numbers on like what a deal would look like in your market so that our listeners that are in all different places can get an understanding. Yeah, so um, my last burr that I completed, I just did my cash out refi last month on it. Um, I bought it for 106. I put around uh, 50 or so into it. And so I was all in with my, you know, interest and uh, utilities and insurance, that kind of stuff right around 160. And then um, it appraised at, was it 215, I think is what it was. And, um, and then rents for 1645. So I'm all in right around 170, I think is my total loan amount. And then it rents for 1645. And what is that cash flow? A few hundred bucks a month? Um, that particular one, it's, I think it's 350 after my 
expenses and property management and putting a little bit back. <laughs> yeah, I figure that. So I, I buy some um, single family rentals in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. The numbers are very similar. Okay. Um, and I think for a lot of people that are listening, like, you know, $350 a month, it might sound like a lot or it might sound like a little, but it's just a matter of collecting those assets to get to the point where you're able to pay, you know, your bills. The other thing to think about too, just in, you know, economically kind of where we're at today, um, you know, we're in an environment where rates are rising and a lot of buyers are going to be pushed to rent now. So rental prices, you know, I can't say this for sure, but there's going to be economic forces that are more likely to push up ranks than push them down. So that property that's cash flowing $350 a month could cash flow $450 a month 12 months from now. So again, you know, you keep on accumulating those. I love that you mentioned that because um, I actually have a property that uh, I just had to go through an eviction on it. And when they were paying rent before they stopped, it was 1100 a month. And um, a week later, after we got it fixed up and back out for rent, it's now going for 1500 a month. And so I would say here in Kansas City, over the past six months, the amount of rent increases I've been seeing, it's already a huge difference from this time even last year. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, the, the reality of it is, it's like, you know, with the way inflation is and with where interest rates are going, it's going to be hard to, to make a case that rents could go down. Right. Really hard case. Um, it's probably only a matter of like how fast do they go up. But then you're doing the burst strategy. So you're buying it, you're renovating it, you're getting it, you know, refinanced and getting most of your money, if not, you know, all of it back out. So you can continue to like churn and churn and churn. And have you gotten to the point yet where you've pulled equity out of any of the properties that you've already refied or like, are you at the base level with that? Um, so I'm at the point now where I have zero of my own money in any of my properties. So that's to me is pretty successful. And, yep. um, I'm sitting on some equity right now in a few properties and, um, I have the opportunity to pull it out. I just, uh, I haven't made the call yet. So, yep. so I probably will. Um, but I also like having that safety net of, you know, the equity that's available. If something really great comes along, I want to be able to act on it. And so um, I do have a great lender or I have a, a bench of lenders that I've worked with in the past, but I have one that I'm working on right now on some creative ways to leverage the equity that I have in my current properties um, and to help me keep buying more in the future uh, at lower rates than what I was paying for hard money. Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincamerancoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. At some point along the way, you know, you got your agent license. You were an investor for, an investor for a year and you became an agent. Why did you get your license and what are you doing with it now? So I initially got it. Um, I was going to do some flips. I've only flipped one house because um, I keep all of them. But uh, so, yeah, I initially got it for listing my own flips. And also um, 
back when I first got started, I was buying properties off of the MLS. And so I wanted to be able to cut out the middleman and be able to go look at properties on my own schedule, pull my own comps so that I could run my burn numbers. Um, because knowing, you know, your after repair value is really important to make the burr strategy successful. So that's how I started. And then um, I do, I share a lot on social media what I'm doing and organically people just started reaching out to me left and right and asking for me to help them. They wanted to work with me. And so next thing you know, I'm uh, an active agent and um, I also do a lot of off-market stuff. And so uh, clients, you know, when the word gets out that you can find those pocket listings or off-market deals for investors, uh, word spreads fast. So okay. I get a lot of referrals from that as well. Um, and now I, like I said, I'm mainly supporting out-of-state investors uh, as clients. I do some retail stuff as well. Okay. And I do wholesale also. So to give our kind of like, I guess, our audience kind of like an idea, um, a lot of agents just do retail and they don't do any, you know, they don't work with investors or promote investing. Um, I always think of it. It's like another way to get additional transactions. What would you ballpark like the number of transactions you'll do that are related to the investment part of your business on the aging side in the next 12 months? Um, I'm bad with numbers. I don't really pay attention to it. I should, oh. but um <laughs> No way of verifying them, anyway. So, <laughs> uh, I think I think I've done a couple million in the past few months, um, okay. and again, mainly just investor clients. Uh, there is a couple retail in there, but I'm I'm averaging about three transactions per month. Okay, for the people that are that are listening, they're aging. So, just so you know, and you may not know this, um, the average agent sells less than ten houses in a year. So a lot of the agents are selling three, four, five, six, seven, eight houses. Successful ones are selling 30, 40. And of course, there's people who sell a lot more than that. Um, but most people are selling under 10. So there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about investing in real estate. But beyond investing in real estate, helping other investors succeed, you're, you're talking about doing three times what the average is for agents or a good year for agents Almost you're talking about it like it's passive and it sounds like it kind of is, <laughs> right? I love how you analyzed me just now um, because, so yeah, I would say on market, I'm doing probably around three transactions per month average. And then um, I also do one or two off market deals um, per month as well. And my goal, anytime I get myself into something that consumes my time, I'm working on a way to make that go from an active income source to a passive income source. And um, I've been, I've become really big on outsourcing things that I'm not good at, I don't enjoy doing, or I just don't have the time to do so that I can focus on higher producing outcomes. And um, that's both financially and just from a personal fulfillment standpoint. And so, yeah, I do have some um, agents that help me with all of the volume that I'm doing. Um, I outsource a lot of my investment business as well. Like I have a property manager, I have a great contractor. Um, so yeah, I do have a great team that supports me. I wouldn't be able to do all of those things on my own. But again, the point of anything for me is here in a few years, if I wanna go lay on the beach for an entire year 
I'm going to do that. And so I have to always be thinking about that with all of the actions that I'm taking today, because whatever I do today is going to set me up to be on that beach in a few years. <laughs> so I'm just going to circle back to, because like, you know, the end in mind, again, we're going to start, you know, back with kind of like your origin story is like, you had this epiphany moment that, Hey, like, I don't love, you know, my business life right now. I don't like, well, your career, however you want to define, you know, what you were doing. And the change was, I want to get my time back. I want to have something that's more passive. And so you're in the process of, of, of building that. Every time I talk to somebody that's, that's starting along this path and has had some success, I always ask the question, like, how many hours are you putting in per week? Yeah. And the reality is um, as many as I want. So right now I do have passive income streams and I have active income streams. So I have a, a good balance. And I think that's important too, because it's not that I don't like working. I, I enjoy working. In fact, some days I work 12 hours. Um, but yeah, I, I would say on average, I'm probably in the 30 to 50 hour range. Again, yeah. some weeks are going to be higher, some are lower. It's That's one of the things that I enjoy about being my own boss is I get to decide my earning potential. I get to decide if I need a week to just take a break. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So what would you say, because a lot of our audience are people that are licensed aging, some of them haven't yet invested yet. Um, what would you say to somebody who's running around showing buyers and sellers homes that hasn't started investing yet? Uh, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to whether it's a flipper, a wholesaler, or a licensed agent is when you're out here working with other investors to help them grow their wealth, don't forget to build your own in the process. Um, and I think it's really important, especially for active agents, if that's their only income stream that they have, what happens when you no longer have that? What happens when you're hurt or, um, you know, you, you need to go take care of a family member and you have to take time off that income stops. So it's important to have, it's important to diversify your income and have other options available to you. Um, and like you said, you know, when you're, when you buy a few properties, like one property can change your life. It really yep. can. Um, usually because it makes you want to buy more, yep. but, but yeah, so even one property is better than none. And, um, I think as agents, sometimes people forget like the power that you hold of having access to sellers, you know, you're going to come across some leads in your day to day when you're out going to a listing appointment or talking to a referral and you're going to find some leads that don't make sense to go on the market, right? Maybe they won't qualify for conventional lending. Um, maybe they need some work. And if you come across those deals, if you're taking one of those on and going through it and learning, you're getting to build your wealth and you're also adding a skill set to your belt that you can use with your clients. So it's going to increase your active income because now you're not just a one trick pony, you know, you can help investors too. So uh, that was a lot of tips. <laughs> that, I mean, that summarizes like 
this stuff really isn't that complicated. And you probably took like 75% of like the messaging that we, you know, talk about on a week to week basis. And, and there's just, I mean, at the end of the day, we could keep going, but there's so many good reasons. There's more reasons, you know, to do it than to not, whether it's to grow your active income, to build passive. The, the last thing I would kind of just add to that, that I think a lot of agents aren't thinking about, but that I view as a risk. I'm a, I'm a real estate broker. I have 300 plus agents that are in my brokerage. One concern I have for the industry in general is just these companies like Zillow and Redfin and Compass that are Wall Street backed have a ton of capital, they're taking market share from agents at the end of the day. And Zillow is a very, so Zillow is the one everybody talks about. I don't hate on Zillow. I think Zillow provides a crazy good product. I mean, if you want to know the value of your housing under 10 seconds, there's no better place to figure out what it might be worth. But um, these companies are looking to take a piece of the pie. Our industry, the, the real estate brokerage part of the industry could look very different 10 years from now. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it will, but it could look very different. And if I'm an agent, I'd be very nervous about just like, you know, getting a fee for showing a buyer a house, getting a fee for listing a house. Cause I don't know that that income is going to look the same 10 years from now than it does today. And I think that's a huge business risk where it's like, you know, if you own, you know, a, a single family in Kansas city, like, okay, you get a locked in payment, you know, ranks are going to increase, you know, the value is going to increase, you know, your debt's going to get paid down. Like the future, the longer time goes on, the better position you're in. Whereas like, if you're, you know, churning and burning clients, I don't mean that in a bad way, just in the way, like if you're always running around that, that payout down the line could be less. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just a control freak, but I like to, I like to have full control over like where my income's coming in and, and just, you know, you mentioned a lot of things about like leveraging out your time and just being smart and really building a, a business by design instead of just kind of like, Hey, running around with your chicken, you know, chicken with your head cut off. Like, Hey, where? Oh, I, I used to do that. <laughs> well, it's really easy to do in real estate because there's always somebody else that, wants to see a house. There's always somebody else that wants evaluation. Like it's, it's a tough industry for a lot of people because you can spend a lot of time poorly. Um, you know, you can feel like you're working all day long, but yet not do a lot of income producing activities. But yeah, I mean, you know, I appreciate you, you know, you've done a lot in a very short period of time. I'm super interested to see kind of, you know, where you're at in three to four years. Um, one of the biggest things that you said that I, I think you know, rings true for somebody that hasn't done a deal yet. It's like, once you do one, you're going to want to do another. And in fact, you very rarely see somebody buy, you know, an investment property and then say like, I never want to do this again. <laughs> you really, am I, I mean, have you experienced that a lot? Like, no, you no, know, like it's more like, oh, I wish I would have started this like five years ago. Yeah. And if you're on the fence, you know, at the end of the day, people talk about like taking action, but I truly think that like that really is in this case, like where you need to start, you know, don't overthink it and just get going. Um, so if our listeners want to learn more about you, obviously, like if somebody wants to, you know, get going and, and buy in, in your market, what's the best way to reach out to you? 
Yeah. So I, um, I hang out on Instagram most of the time and that's, uh, where the majority of my clients come from as well. I do post yeah. a lot of videos. I've danced in a few. <laughs> I never thought I would be making TikToks and stuff, but here we are. Um, yeah. But my handle is investing in your wealth. And um, if you have you know, listeners that are in Kansas City, I also run a local meetup for investors um, that is on the third Thursday of the month. And there's info about that on my Instagram too. So I think the thing for people to think about like if they're thinking about, you know, reaching out to Mindy is if you're in a, if you're in a high price market like ours, where you're having difficulty cash flowing markets like hers are great to get into. Um, I know your market. Um, I study a lot of markets, but I know your market because of the cash flow component to it. And you're choosing a market where like, you don't get a lot of like crazy spikes and crazy crashes. It's very boring. Um, but consistently cash flow positive. Um, it has been for a long time. Um, and there's a lot of great companies there and a lot of reasons to invest in that particular market. And the two things I would think about are the price point. You know, you can get into a house, you can buy it for 100, 150, which if you're in a market like mine, that's more like 500, 550. And the other part is the tenant laws. And the, the other thing is just like the fact that you can birthy. So you, know, you work with, you want to work with a local expert on the ground in the market that you want to, you know, do business in. So if you guys are thinking about um, even just learning about, you know, another market, I would definitely reach out and just get some, you know, ideas on whether it works for you. But, um, but yeah, Mindy, I want to, I want to thank you. I did find your Instagram handle investing in your wealth and, a lot of great stuff that you shared today. And guys, we'll be back again next week uh, with another guest on the Agent Investor Podcast. All right, guys, take action. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincamerancoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.